Hello, and welcome back to the Indie, the podcast from the newsroom of the Santa Barbara Independent. This week, I'm here with a very special guest, Marian Partridge, founder and editor-in-chief of the Santa Barbara Independent, to talk about this week's 35th Local Heroes issue. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Marian. Thanks so much for having me. It's fun. So how did the Local Heroes issue come about in collaboration with the Santa Barbara community? What's the history of it? Well, the Local Heroes issue comes out on Thanksgiving, the Wednesday before the Thanksgiving Day. And it started 35 years ago, as you said, when we, the Independent, began. It was our very first issue. And it was a way of bringing the entire staff at that time uh, together and to think, what do we think about the community we live in? What do we think about Santa Barbara? Who are those local unsung heroes? And there was the great coming together of a sense of where we live and who we depend on and who we often forget is so critical in our lives because the local heroes is something that we put together to hold the whole web of the community together. There's so many different people, philanthropists, people who do their daily simple jobs that appear simple, but are so critical to our way of thinking. I think actually through COVID, we discovered how many jobs are critical. Yeah. A comprehensive outlook or look on what's going on in Santa Barbara right now. Definitely. So this year, there are 16 local heroes that are being featured in the paper, starting off who in health and science are being highlighted and have made an impact this year. This year, we've had three very special people. Uh, when we pulled out one, this uh, particular person was nominated by many of the people in the medical profession who had been working in COVID. And her name is uh, Carolina Arias, who is the head of a department of molecular and cellular development at UCSB. But she, when COVID hit in, uh, and really came to Santa Barbara, in March of 2020, she dropped all of her research that she was doing and refocused, rechanneled, and zoomed in on the most essential thing that she knew to help prevent the spread of this virus is testing, testing, testing. And it was so slow to get the testing done. Some of us remember that. I mean, it was ridiculous. Doctors would put stuff in and we just didn't have the technique and the knowledge. It wasn't, you know, malicious or lackadaisical. And she is the one who really came to the fore and and made that an exceptional advantage for us here in Santa Barbara. And it spread throughout the state too, her work. And uh, also we have something that's been here for a long time, an organization called Doctors Without Walls, who've worked in the homeless community and are helping people who don't have uh, good health protections. But during the pandemic, a small team of their volunteers, of uh, doctors, Chelsea Dean at the, uh, from Public Health, and a nurse, uh, Kathy Malkoy uh, from Cottage, and a retired uh, Sansom clinician, uh, MFT, uh, Lynn Mattis, and Oscar uh, Delegato. They went out into the homeless community and were able, remarkably and almost unbelievably, to be able to persuade and work with the homeless and get them 
vaccinated. Uh, uh, they're up to around over 60% now, and they continue to work. And it they have saved the, so many lives in the homeless community, but also all of the lives in the whole community. It is part of helping stopping that spread. And, and they're very pleasant, lovely people who uh, work as a team and are very close with one another. And then I think a really moving nomination came from Cottage Hospital itself. They were nominating their hospital environmental services. And those are the people that keep that hospital normally clean, as germ-free as possible. And they developed all kinds of techniques once COVID happened, they really had to go into places that in the, those, especially in those early days, they were taking their lives in their hands and, and doing this amazing uh, heroic work that nobody paid, you know, we were all talking about the doctors and the nurses, which deserved all of our praise, but there were other, other people who were also taking great risk. And, and doing a remarkable job, I mean, a remarkable job. So uh, the Cottage Hospital nominated them and, and they really are great heroes. So those were our, our, the, 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 the ones that particularly referred to the pandemic. Yeah, and it was an especially poignant year because of that, I'm sure. So now on to our Heroes Helping the Environment. Can you tell me a bit about some of the people who are working to transform Santa Barbara's local ecosystems and decrease our footprint? Well, of course, as you know, there are so many in Santa Barbara who have done so much heroic work. But this year, it is really important that we focus on the restoration of our wetlands because we are the ecosystems are being destroyed have already been destroyed and just the birds alone and the uh, that have nowhere to go when they're when they're migrating but also the entire ecosystem of a of a wetland is so complicated and so critical and uh, lisa stratton has done single, not single-handedly because she obviously has a team, but it's her vision and experience and ability to rally people, both in terms of getting contributions and money and rallying uh, the owners of land, in this case, UCSB and other neighboring places to, for instance, restore a, an abandoned golf course, which had turned into nothing. It was a, really a junk heap. And she rechanged that into a, a vibrant ecosystem. So I'll tell you what's important. Not only is it important the work that she's done because of the work, the wetlands is back, but it now makes us believe we can turn the tide. We can change things. If humans just step forward, and do the best they can, it can be done. So I think that that's really important. The second thing is we all know that, and it's really come into consciousness through the last two years, at least, I mean, in the real public consciousness, you see newspaper articles and all kinds of stories about the horrors of plastic recycling. There's this very little place to recycle plastic. And so 
how do we do that? We can do that on a big global scale, please God that we do, but also on a very small scale. So when you go to recycle, now you've read these stories, you think, is what's going to happen? I'm putting my plastic in the garbage. Is any What's going to happen? It's going to get thrown away. Nobody's going to do anything with it. Sasha Ablett, whose family has owned the Ablett's dry cleaning business down on Gutierrez for decades, and whose family has been in dry cleaning for generations, took this on herself to really say, how can I make dry cleaning greener? That's my business. It's my family's business. I'm going to do something to stop this. She changed just literally the methods uh, that they use to actually clean the clothing. And I get my clothes cleaned at Ablett's and they're really clean and beautiful when they come back. So whatever she's done, it still works. And uh, but she then went ahead and organized a plastics program where people throughout the whole community, you can just go online to Ablett's and anybody can come in and uh, bring their plastic, thin film plastic. They're very clear on their online. And she has 2,000 pounds of thin plastic. You know, her baby could lift the plastic. 2,000 pounds a month is being sent to a first down south to Riverside to be reprocessed and then to a company that she located in Carolina that it makes compressed wood for building. She's doing it for our community. And so we, you know, we, we thought those would be the two major things we would focus on this year. Well, and it's nice to kind of contrast them too, because I think that as a small business, you may not know even how you can be a player in making the environment better in Santa Barbara, but she's definitely shown that you can have an impact and be a place for people to help create less plastic in the world or whatever other idea there is, you know? So next, I guess, who are the people who are out doing meaningful community service work in our community? Well, you know, in Santa Barbara, there are so many, and there were so many recommendations and nominations by people. It was not easy (laughs) to choose. I think we've focused, first of all, on food hungry. A lot of people do not realize that Santa Barbara, rich and beautiful, that is its image. We have all this wealth. Everybody's so who is wealthy is so generous and kind, but people are still very hungry. And you can see that by the school systems that uh, need to be sure they're providing food for families and for children. But all of this rests on the food bank. And uh, it is run by a guy uh, named Eric Tolkien, who has done a breathtaking job at bringing together food and getting food out into the whole community, getting it well organized, getting it sent out, organizing individual ways that this can happen so that people can be served who might be forgotten. He works with the smaller organizations that want to be getting the food out, but he has the he has put in the organization uh, that can really get the food into all of these places. So he's done a fantastic job. 
On the complete opposite end of this is a woman who has devoted her life to saving lost animals. And she understands that, especially again, during a COVID that really came into people's minds, the critical role that pets play for many people and how when you lose your pet, a child loses a pet, a person who lives alone loses their pet, a person who's handicapped and can't just go running out and finding she has helped organize for online, but also a network of people who work together to find these animals. And I personally, it was so funny when I, I didn't nominate this person, and I, but there were several people who did nominate her, but it, it was really strange. I happen to personally know two people who have used this system where a child was you know, crying unconsolably for weeks. Yeah. And people form such strong bonds with their animals too. So that's so important. Isn't that right? That is so right. That is so right. So we were really thankful to have her. I think probably the biggest issue facing the Santa Barbara County, there is not a strong enough network and support to so help solve this problem is the mental health. And that, that touches on everything. Yes, the homeless, but law enforcement, family solutions and difficulties, the difficulties of drug and alcohol abuse can cause all of these things leading to or mental health being involved with these problems. So we've had people trying in, within the county system but definitely, I don't, I don't want to undermine them but the, uh, or suggest they were not doing a good job. But really, the efforts that have had impact on our elected officials have been uh, people in the private sector and the nonprofit sector. And the, one of those people, most outstandingly, is George Kaufman who is the local head of uh, NAMI, which is a, a national organization dealing with mental illness. And he has plugged ahead. There is not an elected official in Santa Barbara County for the last 20 years that had not dealt with, with George to great success. We are moving forward in this area. And I think he played a vital role. So Annalisa Hood with the animals, Eric Tolkien with the food bank, George Kaufman for mental health. And then I think that this is also a category that we have always had. And that is one of the great ways that Santa Barbara has been such a remarkable small community that have been able to do so many extraordinary things and been helpful and have moved ahead in many areas has been because we have had great philanthropists, really a, a remarkable philanthropists who have given so many things. And that is a community service that needs always to be acknowledged. And one is a woman named Leslie Metacroft, who, because she had born here, but she'd been educated in Europe and she, her family worked there. And she saw how much trade crafts in the public schools were taught and how important that was. 
And so she and she took a look at what in Santa Barbara and our education system, many things were going really well, excellently, but the trades were not being taught. The woodcrafting, there were there was woodcrafts, there was all of there were those things, but they didn't have up-to-date equipment, they didn't have sufficient teachers. And she raised all the funds to do that. And then tools for schools, uh, somebody in her organization came up with that concept. In all the public high schools throughout the county and the, the junior high all now have a, a working system, thanks to her. That's awesome. And those philanthropists are also coupled up with a couple other people who are working in the education system. And you already mentioned one, but who else has been trying to make education Santa Barbara more accessible to everyone? Well, an important one is Javier Cruz, who manages the transition program at San Marcos High School. And this is a program that is designed for special education students who've gone through the four years of high school, ready to graduate, but who now need to have coaching and teaching for transitioning into the greater community. And the training is in social skills. And all the parents who wrote in talked about what a loving human he was, how his positive positive attitude, his compassion, his love. And when you read the issue, he has a quote in there where he says, nobody is going to come into my classroom and not feel that they are loved and embraced and belong in our community. And that work has done so much. For instance, the students go to Vaughn's with him every Friday and they uh, learn about shopping, talking, what they need in their home and how they can take care of themselves and be independent and be truly independent people. And that doesn't happen because people just pull themselves up with their bootstraps. It happens because they have a loving support system and that's what Javier Cruz provides. And another way of looking, at some of that type of activity. Fabian de la Cruz also works in education, but not through the traditional education system, but in the YMCA uh, activities program. And during, again, during COVID, this was something that rose to the top of needs in families. And he became such an outstanding counselor and working with children and parents were so impressed and grateful that he now runs the after-school program at Peabody School because of that activity. And that that kind of being able to reach out to children and to bring them in and to have that trickle into the family life and, and so that the families are aware. I think it's great. Well, and it's so important for both, you know, Fabian and Javier to help these young students and also special education students to make that transition to the real world. Because a lot of the time, what's deemed as important in everyday life is not necessarily taught in schools. So that's also very important. And I'm glad he's being featured. You are so right. You say that very well. That's exactly right. There's another one, another area we ought to look at when we're thinking about how the community holds itself together, and that's sports, right? Over the years, we've, we've looked at so many different areas of sports, but this year, uh, we wanted to focus on Tony Becerra, 
who runs a karate studio on the West Side. He's often called Mr. West Side. He's the mayor of the West Side. And he works so well with, again, children and families. He brings them in, he teaches them karate, he, but he does more than that. He reaches out to the whole family life. He helps the child really develop incredible skills and confidence. This is the important thing. And he provides a safe space for them. He's been doing this for over 25 years. And if there's a family that he knows can't quite pay the tuition, he has his own special scholarship fund, which he maintains himself. And he keeps a smile on his face. Everybody, I mean, we, he was nominated by many people and every single one of them talked about how he was smiling and smiling, even during the hard times of the pandemic. He also started something called the South Coast Youth Community Cultural Center. It's a nonprofit and it focuses on providing opportunities for kids, uh, young people to resist the temptations of gangs and find another home, another place they can belong. Now, Santa Barbara is very well known for being a community that supports the arts, artists, and the many thriving creative communities around town. Who are some of the local heroes making an impact on the various music, art, creative scenes right now? Right. Well, you know, as you know very well, Molly, we really had a horrifying shutdown during the pandemic, right? I mean, it was a disaster. And so we wanted to focus on who is like a guy who was just essential to the music, live music scene in Santa Barbara and, and who's still doing it. And so no one could top that more than our beloved friend. Spencer. And he has been doing music in Santa Barbara, well, at least for 35 years, because we, I, we've been reporting on him for that long. And uh, the, one of the people who nominated him said, what is wrong with you people that you've never nominated Spence Barnes? You know, get your head, get your head right. So uh, we thought this is a perfect opportunity because there he is playing music on State Street, keeping people dancing through the hard times. And uh, he's just a wonderful, wonderful human as well. And then in the opposite direction, a different form of music is the wonderful artistic and general director of Opera Santa Barbara, Costas uh, Protopapas, who really was a real hero. He's a really charismatic character who reinvigorated way before the pandemic, the opera in general and and the whole mu- and the music community bringing people together he has uh, broadened the use of that music but most importantly he was the first one to return to live performances in the libero in june and again in uh, this october in at the granada all of his uh, choices have been very bold and have been reaching out to uh, unify a community, bringing everybody in uh, to hear it. So his work has been outstanding and, and in some ways really moving because operas were just in terrible, terrible shape through the pandemic. And, and he, he did more than just having videos. He made it live. He brought it outside. There was outside performances. He, he did a lot of great things. 
I think that uh, before we do end though, Molly, don't you, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, some of the very young people that, what do you think? Of course, let's, let's end with the young and upcoming people who are making strides in, in Santa Barbara today. Okay, let's do that because we definitely always try to struggle to do that, to find young people that are doing something special. And it turned out that they were kind of dovetailed in two different directions. One is uh, two boys, two brothers. They started when they were six and eight years old. They're now in high school. They started raising money for the food bank and they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. They began with the triathlon. With triathlons, they got their family and friends. They ended up with 70 people. Then they built that into an even bigger group of people. And they've raised a lot of money. And they also volunteer at the food bank. And so it's a really uh, one of those stories where two kids, just really little kids, you know, had started, oh, let's do something for this and built it into a real something that's reached out throughout the whole community now. All kinds of kids are doing it. And all kinds of kids are thinking about food security and about how to help the food bank. And and even in a place where we are be- so blessed to have a lot of benefits, our, our children are also understanding that there is need right next door, right in our own world. On the other side, we um, have two sisters who, during the pandemic, were bored to death and were (laughs) driving their mother crazy. And we're trying to think of something that would, uh, you know, not be so incredibly dreary. And they they started to design jewelry. They started to draw, make paintings, artists, uh, clothing, knitting all kinds of uh, handcrafts. They got in touch with their own friends and together practically overnight, Aliyah and Bella Rubio started the Youth Makers Market. And it's now a big deal. They started having pop-ups, but now people are looking for them. They're, every time there's a big outdoor event, they, they set up and, and it's huge now. All these young people, that are doing, uh, making remarkable things. It's, it was really a shocker to see how well done it was. And just to see these two young, beautiful young girls just making it happen, making business, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big step beyond uh, lemonade stands. Definitely. And it's always exciting to see what, you know, if they're making these, this big impact now, it's always exciting to think, what are they going to do next? But overall, this was a lot of people to cover, but I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about all of our 16 local heroes that are being featured in this issue. I think it's super poignant, especially giving thanks, thanking the people who have been in our community on such a a widespread level as through the independent is something that's really important, especially around this holiday. So that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. It's really, it really is humbling. It's so grateful that we live here in a place with so many wonderful people. Anyway, thank you, Molly. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye. Once again, I'm Molly McEnany, host of The Indie. Tune in next week for another episode.